This is Learn Right Radio, your podcast for clinical practice, clinician experiences, and being a clinician in the workplace. I'm your host, Sarah Thistle. everybody to another episode of Learn Right Radio. We've got Gwen Murphy on the episode today and this actually took place a couple of months back in response to our Strength Series 2 course. Um, part 2 of a two-part series on strength in the industrial setting and so if you're interested in the course it is available on learnrightuniversity.com but in this episode we kind of dive into Gwen's experience. Um, she's you know worked in a couple of different fields at this point. She is still working um, in both fields as well, and she will certainly dive into that. But we really look into strength at our sites, at our fields, and uh, what that looks like for them, how we educate, how we try to integrate that as much as we can, um, as well as tackling the common misconceptions that we will hear. So whether that's you know fear of getting hurt, fear of looking like something or not looking like something, or fueling our body to do so, uh, all of those are some common things that we'll hear about and some of the things that we'll try to coach on as well. So awesome podcast. If you guys have any questions about the course, um, you can always message us on all, any of our media platforms at LearnRight underscore NW. Um, again, on our LearnRight University website, we have 19 courses available, 23 credit hours, all BOC approved um, for athletic trainers and physical therapists can have them as well. So a lot of content there, all industrial setting specific. And so if you're in this field as an athletic trainer or physical therapist, or you're interested in getting into it, uh, this is the spot for you guys. So hopefully you guys do check it out. Um, but if nothing else, hope you guys enjoyed the episode and we'll catch you guys all in the next one. episode six of Learn Right Radio. This month we did part two of our strength series and this was a broader lens looking at strength itself and actually designing example programs as well as a pre-shift warm-up. Um, cool thing about this talk is that we get to talk to Gwen and she's going to talk a little bit about her experience and maybe some of the obstacles she faces in her area and how she combats them. So Gwen, take it away. Give us a little bit about yourself and um, what it is you deal with every day. Um, hi, everybody. So I am an athletic trainer, and I have experience in a lot of different um, areas, but most recently I've been working um, with a lot of rural um, high schools and also with industrial athletes that um, happen to be in a more um, rural area. Um, and what this means is that they face challenges like um, lack of access to equipment um, or fitness facilities, um, maybe some lack of education and things along those lines. So um, it can be a little bit challenging, but it can also be kind of fun to um, work with that. Perfect. Um, and even before you, I've seen you weren't working in this area before. Um, so where you came from, did you also deal with a lot of these same obstacles or is this pretty different? 
So prior to uh, kind of the more rural setting, um, I worked at um, a fairly wealthy high school um, and a Division three university, um, also in a fairly wealthy area. So, um, you know, I was used to having a strength and conditioning coach that I could um, pass my college-age athletes off to um, in a lot of ways. And then um, at the high school I was at, they had a full, you know, fitness center and everything, um, and a few coaches as well that were strength and conditioning, um, as well as high school sport coaches, um, who could kind of take that off my hands a little bit. So when I had to transition to this more, um, this more rural um, setting, it definitely made me kind of have to think a lot more about how do I meet the needs of these individuals um, with a very limited amount of equipment. Yeah, that's that's pretty tough to go from having an entire profession that's job is centered around strength and conditioning to then almost assuming that absorbing those roles within, you know, the respectable scope and then trying to not only be an athletic trainer, but be a strength coach as well. So that that's quite an add-on to the list of things that you have to do in your day. Um, <clears throat> as far as working with your industrial athletes in this area that you work in now, um, are you seeing a lot of the carryover from high schools that didn't really have as much of the strength conditioning side? Do you feel like that's a pretty big piece now in your field? Um, it's actually kind of funny that like I run into some of my ex high school athletes as, um, the industrial athletes in the, um, in the setting that I'm working in right now. So, um, actually when, when the first day that we were ever on site, um, one of the supervisors recognized me like, oh, you, you used to come to our high school and do, and do these things. So there's actually a fair number of people that, um, even if I don't necessarily remember them, um, they might remember me. Um, and so mm -hmm. it is, it's very much, um, a similar challenge, um, because it's, it's kind of the same people. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty funny actually. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> with those, those athletes now that they're, you know, they're hash, not hashtag, uh, quote unquote adulting and, you know, they're working instead of going to school, um, are you finding that you're able to talk about the strength piece a little bit more? Does it seem like it might matter to them a little bit more? Or is that still something that you have to be creative about encouraging or educating them on or just, you know, portraying the importance of it? Um, usually with, with the younger industrial athletes, um, they tend to be a little more receptive to the health and wellness piece as far as strength and conditioning and um, even talks about hydration and nutrition. They're a little more receptive to that um, kind of discussion. Um, it's often the the older ones um, that are kind of stuck in the ways a little bit where it becomes a little more difficult to um, bridge that gap and um, kind of lead them down a road where they're they're probably not super comfortable going down. Yeah, right. And you mentioned uh, prior to the call when we were chatting that there are a lot of gyms, or maybe not a lot, but there are more and more access points to fitness. Um, are you finding that that's helping you at all as far as encouraging that piece, whether it's to the younger or the older industrial athletes, or is that, um, is that not quite as helpful as you would hope? 
No, I think it has made a difference. So it used to be that, um, as far as I can remember, there was one, maybe two like bodybuilding type gyms where people are, you know, doing competitions, which that could be kind of intimidating. And then there was, um, like one planet fitness. Um, and then there really wasn't a lot else. And just in the last, um, like maybe five to seven years, there's been a significant increase in the number of more private um, fitness centers. So whether they're um, a CrossFit um, box or studio, whatever you want to call them, or um, a, just a strength and conditioning gym, there's a couple of those that are more focused on just overall health and wellness and not so much the bodybuilding aspect. So they're a little more approachable. Um, you know, I've seen a lot more of those um, popping up. And a lot more of those with, with people that have a lot of education, which is really great. So there are more strength and conditioning coaches in the area. There's more nutritionists than there ever has been. Um, and I think that that is really helping to change the mindset and the culture um, in the area. It's slow um, as it moves from like the city out towards the more rural areas that surround it. But overall, I think it's been a positive change. Yeah, that's incredible. That's such a cool transition that you're able to see um what's the what's the time span been of this well so I live I've lived in this area my entire life so 33 years at this point um and you know when I was going away and coming back from college and things like that that was probably 15 ish years ago um and again that was when there were like the three gyms at most Um, And so, again, this past like five to seven years um, has really been like kind of a major, a major shift in that dynamic, um, which I think is pretty rapid. And I think that's that's a a great thing. Um, And so I'm looking forward to see um, how the culture changes even further um, and especially how we can get even more younger people and more older adults as well involved. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel even if you weren't to encourage these practices, do you feel like you've almost seen a shift in um, athletes or the traditional athletes or your industrial athletes as far as kind of taking in this new wave of health and wellness? Yeah, I think they're a lot more receptive. um, And when we talk about, you know, working out and strength and conditioning and um, if I'm giving out home exercise programs, when we talk about things like, you know, where do we go from there? Where do we progress from um, like uh, some exercises and stretches so that you, you know, you are really ready to do your job um, in a more, more healthy way. Um, And um, they have become more just more receptive to that idea. Oh, this place is nearby. Not that I'm promoting any one gym, but you know, I, you know, I pay attention to what's popping up in the areas rurally and I can say, okay, well, this is probably near where you live. You can talk to them there, or this is close to work. You can, um, if you, if you want to work out, you know, this would be a good place for you because it's not out of the way. So just kind of finding those, those ways to help break down those barriers, um, has been helpful. important piece I feel like um which maybe we don't really think about but the fact that you're keeping an eye out for areas around that you can encourage or uh, like you said not necessarily promote but uh, just say hey you can go here I think that's huge and as athletic trainers uh, a lot of times we are the go-to for people <laughs> and 
I know in my experience, if I haven't had a had someone that I recommended for a certain, I don't know, I've been asked about a lot of things, but someone <laughs> will ask about a masseuse or something, and I just moved to Buffalo, so I really had zero answers for them, and I felt terrible because I felt like I should have had at least, you know, a couple ideas in my pocket, so I think that piece is incredibly important. I don't even think we really think about it that much, but with something like health and wellness where we are pushing and we're trying to be preventative and really mitigate risk and mitigate the number of injuries we see on site, um, a big piece of that is knowing where to go and knowing where to kind of lead them before anything happens. Um, so I think that's really cool. I never really thought about that until now. but Yeah, um, I don't think it's something I would have thought of like early in my career, but when I when I moved back to my hometown, um, I was in charge of 14 different high schools. And so there was only, only so much I can do at any given high school. So, you know, I kind of had to find those extra resources to help supplement, um, you know, what I can, what I can give out to my traditional athletes. And it just kind of has carried over into, um, like the more industrial setting. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And to kind of switch gears a little bit, there's a, there's a piece in the part two where we talk about common mistakes or common, um, not mistakes, but maybe misunderstandings or, uh, I don't know, fallacies, I guess. And, you know, there's, you know, growing muscle in a week or rest is not important you know I can run on three hours of sleep and I feel great I don't need it um or you know the only way to get better at lifting is to lift more weight and that's the only way you can progress um are there any I guess that you've seen in your experience or you've heard people say over and over about health and wellness that you're just kind of like oh that's not true how do we fix that (laughs) yeah um I guess you know there's a lot of misconceptions out there um, as far as health and wellness goes. I'm sure we've all heard it a lot of. Um, one of the ones that really drives me nuts is the, the idea of, um, you know, women shouldn't lift weights because they're going to get bulky um, and develop muscles like, um, like a male could develop their muscles. Um, and then another one that has become a lot more common um, when it comes to, like, fueling your body for activity um, is, you know, is cutting carbs, like almost like, you know, simple and complex carbs, like almost completely out of your diet. Like, oh, I can just function on proteins and fat. Um, when in reality we have to fuel differently, um, so that the different than that, so that we have the energy to not only work and be safe, um, and feel good at our job, but then also to support any activity we're doing outside of our job. Um, I think those are the two that drive me like the most crazy and that that I can't believe I'm still hearing them after like all these years, like they just haven't gone away yet, no matter how much education I know that you and I and everybody in our, in our fields in the broader like health and wellness field is, um, you know, working against that. But those, those ones haven't gone away yet. Yeah. That's so true. How do you deal with the, well, I mean, they're both very, highly misunderstood ones, I guess, but how do you deal with the women not lifting weights thing? 
Like, what's your approach to that? <laughs> um, honestly, I talk about, um, like, our hormonal balances, right? So mm -hmm. there's, you know, limitations to the, the, um, the way that muscle is going to develop in um, a female who is doing resistance training compared to a male because of the balances of testosterone and estrogen. Um, and so I just like get kind of on like a very basic but scientific level. And I talk about like, listen, this is kind of where we're at and this is what you have going on in your body chemically. Like there's going to be limitations and that doesn't mean you can't get strong and that you can't, um, you know, lift a bunch of weight if you want to lift a bunch of weight and things like that. But you're not going to necessarily bulk up the same way that a male counterpart could. Um, and I think that helps a lot of people kind of rationalize and, um, you know, think more about, um, you know, what is this misconception and then why did I have it? And then they kind of can let it go a little bit. Yeah. And then once you get past that barrier and you see that they're a little bit more receptive to, all right, I'm a woman, but if I lift weights, I'm not going to look like Joe Schmo over there with muscles on top of muscles. Yeah. Um, once you kind of get that green light, what's, if there was the most basic thing that you could give them to work on and they say, okay, well, what would you recommend I do? Cause I get that open-ended question at least twice a day. So how do you, like, what's your go-to for a question like that, that really is a, it depends answer. You know, how do you, how do you address something like that? Yeah, that is a really hard question. Like, where do I start or what should I do? Um, I really love um, ac activities that are like multi-joint activities that are going to engage um, lower body, core, and maybe something with the upper body. Um, so things like squatting, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like with a bar on your back because that can be really intimidating um, or even something like um, you know a deadlift or like a single leg Romanian type deadlift you know something like that that's gonna work multiple body parts it's working our core it's working um, maybe some balance and things like that as well um, I think those are a great way to to kind of get somebody started um, and doing it with just um, like a free weight and something that they can easily hold it's not going to fatigue their arms too much or like you know throw them off balance we're not going to hurt them uh, but just something again to get that core activated um, because especially in industrial athletics like we really need that core strong and stable for lifting and twisting and um, you know everything that we have to do um, and so I think things like that are, are really my go-to, um, as a, as a place to start. Yeah, absolutely. I think the core thing too, especially tying that back into the industrial athlete, like you were starting to mention, um, there are so many low back, um, mild symptoms that like, oh, I don't know what happened. It's just over time, it's been more and more sore and I thought it would go away and, um, and then you ask them about all these things that they're doing outside of work and they're like, Oh, I don't really do anything. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then you have to wonder, Oh, well maybe we should lift or maybe. <laughs> maybe exactly. Train. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think the, one of the biggest pieces you hit home is the fear of it, whether it's, um, coming from, you know, fear of looking like somebody else or, or 
looking like a man or maybe looking like a woman. Yeah. <laughs> Whichever one you don't want to look like, yeah. I guess. Or uh, fear of being too fragile. Um, I, especially with older athletes. I think that's a huge one. That is a big one. The fear of getting yeah. hurt. Um, yeah. Um, is definitely a big one. Like, well, what if I do too much? What if I drop something? What if I fall? You know, things like that. There's a lot yeah. of what ifs. Um, but then, you know, again, have that conversation. Um, and it looks a little different than the conversation we just had with maybe a young female. Um, and it looks more like, well, this is why you need to do this because it works on balance. It works on strength and it's fall prevention and it's all these things to keep you working longer um, if that's what you want to do or keep you able to do what you love outside of work because everybody has something right that they right. want to do outside of work um, it could be gardening you know walking hiking things like that um, but if they're not strong then those things are going to be less likely to be done yes and then Full circle, they'll probably be even more fearful of hurting themselves more because they're hurt from doing something they did, did, that they did like to do and yeah. aren't strong enough to do or whatever the case may be. Yeah, and then they so, decondition more and, yeah, it just yeah. is a, a circle that perpetuates itself. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, that's a big one. I would, that'd be a great course too, just in itself. Fear avoidance. Yeah. Ability. Yes. <laughs> and lifting. <laughs> Yeah, the number of people who, and this is really any age, but it seems like it's more common in older um, older populations, but just the idea that um, something as controlled as strength training uh, compared to something like a sport yeah. uh, is almost seen as, you know, immediately tragic, there's going to be an injury, and uh, I blame it on, like, all the squat fail pages on Instagram or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah, those ones are, are pretty spectacular. Yes. They, they deadlift and, uh, you know, vagal out. Oh, those are like the worst. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. That's no good. That doesn't help us at all. No, yeah. no, <laughs> definitely not. Well, cool. Um, well, I love this chat and I probably need to talk about this for a hot minute. Um, and there's so many rabbit holes you could go down, but, um, is there anything else or any leaving ideas that you would like to end this podcast with or just make sure that people are hearing at the end of their day? Um, I think my biggest takeaway when it comes to strength training is, is going to be, you know, we want to challenge them, but we don't want to hurt them. So we want to make sure that, um, you know, we're picking activities and, and weights and things like that are helping them make those decisions so that they get a good workout in, but that they're not overly sore. They're not hurting themselves because we want them and we need them to come back, not just to work, but we need them to come back to strength training, um, you know, a few times a week. So that's my biggest thing. Amen. <laughs> that was a perfect wrap up right there. Cool. Well, thank you, Gwen, so much. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure, and I'm sure we'll end up talking again soon. So thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Learn Night Radio. As always, you can catch any of our episodes on Spotify. You can head to our uh, website, learnrightuniversity.com, find them all there, as well as free handouts, all of our courses, 
it's all there. So a brand new website. It's really awesome, you guys, and we'll just continue to grow. So if you guys have questions, let us know. Reach out on the site. Reach out on our media platforms at LearnRight underscore NW, and we will answer them there or here. So have a good one, guys. We'll catch you guys in the next one.